Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks for May 27th, 2016, episode 161. I am Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Morning, Jason. Good. Well, almost afternoon for me. It's 11 o'clock here in the lovely town of Downers Grove, Illinois, where it is really hot. Ah, it's uh, overcast here. It's overcast and about to thunderstorm, so we may get some thunder on the on the line, but I had to run out and mow my lawn this morning, so <laughs> nothing like mowing the lawn to wake you up when you really don't want to mow the lawn in the morning, which is pretty much never. <laughs> don't, don't they have robots for that now? No, uh, they they do have like the Roomba for the yard, but I've got a very complicated yard and I can't afford, uh, you know, a Roomba for the yard. I can't afford okay. a regular Roomba. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you know what I have? I have a hand-me-down lawnmower. I have gas money and time. So okay. that's what that's how I mow the lawn. Yes, you pay, you pay with your time. I do. So uh, uh, let's do a quick up-to-speed post-mortem. It's okay. dead. It's dead. It's not coming back. We tried. There's think- just too much going on. You're having a kid. I moved. Uh, and we both have like jobs that actually pay the bills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, up to speed was, it was a fun thought. Um, it was, it was fun, fun to do. do. It. Yeah. It was it fun. Was it was fun having a great it. time, uh, but you know, we were getting a lot of people listening to it, which is great. Uh, but then, you know, things happened like the two star rating that we got in iTunes this week. Oh yeah. Give from, me a break. from gadget virtuoso who said that ad reads are one thing, but pre and post ad rolls are going too far. Have well, you ever listened to the radio gadget yeah. virtuoso? This I find you know this is one of the reasons that I was disinclined to continue up to speed because it was a lot of work for no return, and now people are mad at us because we're just trying to make a little bit of money providing this free entertainment. Yeah, yeah. You so know. thanks a lot for that two star rating. I'm sure that you are not a Patreon supporter either. So thanks a lot. Yep, appreciate it. Glad preach, we preach. Yeah. So happy that you want us to just do this for free and not even get money to say pay the bandwidth that it costs us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, up to speed again, uh, you and I had talked about this internally off offline a lot. Um, yeah, I'd love to bring it back, but I can only do it if basically this is making enough money to uh, allow me to the time to do up to speed. Um, I, you know, I barely have time to do this show. So we got to pay the bills, people. Yeah, up to speed did take a lot of effort just to have it all ready in the morning. And uh, I was going to take it on solo because I could do it at like six in the morning here because I'm up that mm-hmm. early every day. But even then it's like, I'm in bed by, you know, nine <laughs> or 10 o'clock now. So it's just, I'm, I'm fried by the end of the day and I'm doing podcasting all day long. So it's like, ah, I need, yeah, I just need a little bit more um, incentive to do it. I mean, and we were trying to do it as also an audience builder for this show. So we had a clean version because yeah. we do tend to say fuck a lot on this show. And what? yeah, no, yeah, as in fuck Gadget Virtuoso. Hey, <laughs> and, uh, uh, gadget Virtuoso is a nice person that just doesn't want to pay for anything. Uh huh. Well, he's got to. He's obviously paying for a lot of gadgets <laughs> since he's a virtuoso at it. Okay, let's leave the guy alone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about a little follow up? 
Uh, Paramount's lawsuit against Axanar is dead in the water. I'm sorry, it's just going away. I heard there there was some sort of Star Trek uh, convention thingy that uh, that uh, MythBusters guy Adam Savage was at, and uh, I guess they announced that uh, they're just gonna drop it and uh, let him do whatever. Well, not quite whatever they're gonna do. Apparently, Paramount is going to uh, publish basically a guideline. Uh, for fan films. So there will be very specific things that they will have to follow um, and not, you know, there are other things that they won't be able to do. One would assume they're not going to allow people to do things with major characters, but you'll be able to do some uh, play in the other world. So Paramount is going to have to provide kind of a world-built document. Yeah, you can't mess with canon is, yeah. is probably what it's going to be. And, you know, this is the smart thing to do. And, you know, the director of the new movie is the one that really went to bat for these guys and for fan films in general because it makes them a look bad b it it just builds ill will to the fan base and with a you know couple hundred million dollar movie coming out that's kind of the last thing you want so this guy looks like a hero saves the fan base everybody's you know kumbaya and now we'll just get some more fan films out of it it does seem to be a win-win and uh it's the star trek franchise i mean when you have a franchise like that um you know, it's just unbelievable. You should let fans do it pretty much whatever they want because it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Star Trek as a franchise is not exactly in the top tier at the moment. So any kind of uh, building a fan base is a good thing. And maybe do a rev share with the fans if they're going to go out and, you know, figure, if figure out money. Yeah, the yeah. Paramount should have, you know, Paramount should get their their pound of flesh out of any of these things if they're actual money making propositions. I, I don't see how that would be a problem. There's a way to structure this that makes sense for everybody. Yeah, have a fan licensing deal. Like in the old days when Quake was uh, licensing their engine out, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you know, we'll let you go, you know, make a game with our engine, but you're just going to have to give us a cut. And it's yep. it's a, not a big cut for what yep. they were getting. You know, they're getting a multi-million dollar engine to go do what they wanted to with it. And it was, you know, just like 25 grand to license it for the initial. And if you made... X amount of money, then you just give them a, a little slice off the top. It was it yep. was a good deal. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And uh, back to <laughs> daily fantasy sports, which I haven't heard much about in a long time. Yeah. And, and this came across my radar that Mississippi has legalized it, which I thought was interesting. Can you only do it from a laptop on a barge in the river? <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> that you know you can do all sorts of gambling on a barge in the river in Mississippi. So well, you can do that almost anywhere now. It's like if you have one brick in the water, they call it a barge. Can we just <laughs> can we just move on and and just sort out uh, an across the board standard on this? Let let's figure out what we're going to do about gambling and just make it whatever. Well, yeah, I, you have it's, no. It's states' rights, states' taxes. So the states have their. Oh, you know, they have their say in it. The, but this isn't gambling. I forgot. This is a, a game of of skill. Oh yeah, or whatever. It's gambling. Let's say it's gambling. I, if you want to legalize it, great. And if you don't, then don't. But let's do something. At least, at least (laughs) with the the laws in Mississippi, uh, Mm. employees cannot actually play, which makes sense. You 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 know, if you work for a casino in Vegas, you are not allowed to play in that casino. Yep. That's the way it works. And a little more follow up on the fan verification system for New York Comic Con. I actually went through it. Mm-hmm. To see what it was like, because a uh, friend of the show, Seth, from the Grime Life podcast, is the one that turned yeah. us on to this. And yeah. uh, he texted me. He's like, ah, damn it. I went through all this, and I got a press pass, which didn't require one. <laughs> <laughs> but all they do is they text you a verification code. So, A, they verify your phone number. So you have a unique phone number. That gets you into the form. So form- two-factor auth. 
Yeah, and the form is basically, you know, just a bunch of questions. What do you want to see? What do you want to do? And under sex, it's like, uh, um, yes, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, generally, you just think you just say no because uh, this is a comic con. But um, it was male, female, and self-identified, and then you had oh. to fill in self-identified. So okay. I wonder how many people did unicorn. Uh, yeah. I just like to state for the record that I did call it two-factor auth last week, and you said no, it's not. But it intended, it actually it, well, ended up being two-factor auth. It's kind of it, well, it's kind of. It's, I, I mean, well, it's phone verification, but it doesn't. Look, I, I'm totally fine with that. I think that's actually a great idea. I think that this should be integrated everywhere across the board. This should be Ticketmaster when you're buying tickets. This is, uh, I mean, it's not a foolproof method of stopping scalping and and all that sort of stuff, but it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, yeah, you buy the ticket that you're going to use. The only, yeah, the hardest part though is if you get sick and you need to transfer it to a friend. I've been to the Troubadour before, and it's almost you can't. It's impossible to do it there, and most most concert venues are like that. But that could be built easily. I mean, you, I'm already halfway coded it out in my brain, haven't you? Oh, I could. Yeah, well, that's easy. That that would be super easy to do. So, if you're listening, uh, Ticketmaster or Live Nation, uh, we will be happy to build that for you for twenty million dollars. Yes, and and we'll make it not work the first three times, and then on the like fourth the time, first. yes, we'll we'll refactor and pivot, and then we'll make it work. It'll just cost yes. you another thirty million. Yes, exactly. Easy enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Tech Insider had an interesting article on um, eye tracking heat maps and logos, mm. and it shows a bunch of logos and their before and afters. And it turns out the Instagram logo actually is a huge improvement on. Uh, this the the eye tracking scale as it this were. This is where things start to get a little terrifying. Why? I don't know. Make a cool logo. Don't have heat maps and see what people are looking at. Well, this is this is after the fact, you know. I know, I know, I know. No, I, I bet they tested it internally with with this sort of thing. Anyways, I, I don't care. Look, if if, if if people test this internally, you'd think Google would be the first one to do it, and their score went down from their redesign. This is a bunch of redesigns on a bunch of right. brands, and you know. Uh, Uber went down. Well, yes, Uber. We discussed Uber's stupid logo at length. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, between Uber and Airbnb, and the funny thing about the Airbnb logo, before I thought it looked like Mm Goatsy, but when you look at the heat map of it with the halo around the word Airbnb and the logo itself, Mm -hmm. it is a giant butt plug. Yes, it is. It is a Airbnb is, you know, air butts and butts. Yeah, this is uh, this is getting frighteningly into logo design and how to mess with the brain. Yeah. yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, I found an article on uh, Signal V Noise, which is the 37 mm-hmm. signals. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Basecamp blog, oh, their internal right. blog. Okay. Um, great title. Eat, sleep, code, repeat is such bullshit. <laughs> and it talks about how they've been able to make amazing products, mm-hmm. work four days a week, have hobbies and have a life. What makes me really wish I'd have learned to program Ruby. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I would. I should have been working there. Never left <laughs> Chicago and stayed with those guys. Oh well, uh, but it's a great article. Great article. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also dropped something from uh, Elizabeth Warren talking about the gig economy in here, and you put in. Haven't read it yet. Placeholder. Did yeah, you but I read reading? it. The, I read it. I read it this morning. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so. yeah. So did I. I mean, I, I'm I'm a Elizabeth Warren fan. Um, I don't necessarily know if I know enough about her to want her to run for president, but I have heard a lot of her speeches, and I, I tend to agree with her take on things. And I, I, 
we all know my thoughts on the gig economy. If you've been listening to this show at all, I hate it. So, yeah, but you've yeah. been living it for fifteen years. <laughs> I know that's the that's the weird thing about that. I, you know. Um, I'll just read a quick quote from the actual article. Warren's essential point is that for all the talk about Uber, ride-sharing apps and their brethren are only a part of a larger destructive trend towards classifying workers as part-time. Long before anyone ever wrote an article about the gig economy, corporations had discovered the higher profits they could wring out of an on-demand workforce made up of independent contractors, Warren said. And I didn't know it had reached this level. It says uh, 53 million Americans, one in three, is now a freelancer. It was a lot better when there were fewer of us. Um it kind of tended to work out a little bit because when a company needed somebody that was outside and wanted to save a buck or two, they would still pay us decent prices as freelancers. Um, now that everything has kind of shifted and corporations have thrown on this, let's screw everybody hat, um, the freelance money ain't so good no more. No, I used to make bank as a freelancer. Now it's just like, uh, yeah, alms for the poor? <laughs> now everybody is a freelancer working for the company. So, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's not working out very well for all of us. No, I was up till midnight last night because somebody somebody threw me, uh, threw me a bone and I'm just like, hey, I'll take the money. Get, send it on over. And But mm-hmm. I like her. I like her three points. Improve the safety net. Yep. Which, uh, you know, because there really is a problem with, you know, if you get sick or something catastrophic happens, you're just homeless <laughs> unless you have <laughs> friends with couches. Yeah. Um, make employee benefits portable. That'd be nice. Uh, so you can just take it with you where you go and increase regulation and clarify laws around part time work. Also, you know, I, bring back the unions, damn it. <laughs> we need a we need a, a freelance podcaster union somewhere. Get on yeah, that. Get I, on that, Brian. Well, we'll talk to Bernie about that. <laughs> See what happens. I don't think we'll be talking to Bernie about much of anything. No, and uh, workers in China aren't even going to be getting this anymore because uh, even their freelancing gigs have gone away. Foxconn, which is a supplier for Apple and Samsung, has basically just replaced 60,000 human workers with robots. Here it comes, people. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. They're also retraining those people for higher skilled jobs. I mean, yes, they, those jobs have been you know, basically given to a robot because they were boring and repetitive, but they're moving them into R&D jobs and quality assurance jobs. And when you look at how many people Foxconn actually employs, which is 1.2 million people, Mm -hmm. 60,000 jobs in that isn't a huge chunk, but it is going to grow. But as long as they're taking, yeah, but they're going to take those people and put them into higher value positions, which is what in a utopian society is what's going to happen as we automate everything out. Now, is that going to happen? No, there's going there's <laughs> going to be a a a really big shakeout, and we're going to have some problems. I believe we're going to um, have a lot of problems because many of the other things we just discussed. But here's, people- <laughs> yeah, but the interesting thing is when I drive around town right now, there are tons of places that are hiring. There are jobs out there right now which I have not seen in a long, long time. Everywhere you know I go, everybody's hiring, and I have not—I honestly have not seen that in a very long time. I, I actually do have to agree with you about that. I have seen—I mean, I don't know. The pay is probably not great. I—I I don't know what's going on with other things, but I do see in terms of like retail or just walking around and and being on the streets. Almost every store, restaurant, etc., they're all hiring right now. Which yeah. is fantastic. So, 
No, I even went to my local pet store and they just had three new employees that started that day. I go to CVS, there are new employees over there, the jewel down the street. Everybody is bringing on more people. So something is happening. Something is happening. It's it's hard to see, but uh, something does seem to be happening. It must be that uh, that Kenyan-born Muslim president is doing something right. Uh, we'll see about that. Too bad, he, too bad he's gone. <laughs> Um, And in the greatest read of the week, how technology hijacks people's minds from a magician and Google's design ethicist. The the fact that Google had a design ethicist was pretty interesting. Google loves to shoehorn ethicists into a lot of their positions. Yeah, but you realize this guy is an ex-design ethicist because I think he probably left around the time that they changed the – they say, oh, no, don't be evil. That was just kind of a, you know, a saying. It wasn't really, a, you know, doctrine. A, a rough guideline. Yeah. <laughs> but I highly recommend reading this and checking out his TED Talk. I'm going to get this guy on, on – uh, on, I got to interview this guy for something. I love this. Everything that he talks about is completely true. And, you know, it, it. this goes back to that article last week that I was talking about with free will. Yeah. <laughs> this – this really makes you question if you actually have any. Yeah, it was a good article. I really enjoyed it. So it's a it's a great think piece. And if you've got uh, quite a bit of time, because it's rather large, uh, I highly recommend that you read it as well. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, yes. It's, it's a long piece, but you know what? Turn off your phone, take a breather, and read it, because you then you'll realize why you keep reaching for your phone every three minutes in the middle of trying to read this article. I'm sorry, I was checking my phone. What'd you say? the news oh boy am i having fun with the news the last couple days um yeah there's been a lot going on with the Uh, whole gawker and hulk hogan and peter thiel thing hasn't there yes the fact that peter thiel has been outed again because of (laughs) gawker uh as the the funder behind many lawsuits against gawker and has turned into like I, for me, he's like the Robin Hood of <laughs> just crappy internet journalism. <laughs> I cannot stand Gawker, Nick Denton, Valleywag, and the asshole Owen Thomas, who is the one that wrote the article that got this entire ball rolling. So seeing that you know this billionaire has had this like kind of red team in the back corner for ten years. Going like planning to go after these guys and take down their company just makes me kind of giddy. I'm like, oh, revenge is sweet. So let's hope he doesn't, you know, screw it up. <laughs> oh, you have a okay. I mean, I, I can see that. I, I just I don't think that there's any any uh, any heroes in this story. I think they're all bad people. Well, so <laughs> well, yeah. Well, here's the deal: the worst people, I think, will get the 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 you know the worst end of the stick. Owen Thomas had, when he ran Valleywag back when I was, you know, in the scene back in, you know, 2007, 2008, whenever that was back then, can't remember. It was so long ago and my brain is shot. <laughs> um, he had a habit of going after the grunts, the day workers, and got a lot of people in a lot of trouble and got a lot of people fired. Right. And got me in trouble a couple times. So, you well, know what? Yeah, that's not so surprising. Well, you know what? But it's not it, – it, I'm not Valleywag worthy, honestly. No. <laughs> I built a site called IHate.VC, okay? Mm-hmm. And he outed me as the guy. He actually did the research, went around the 
the who is privacy controls and and found out that I was the the guy who who bought it and owned it. Right. So I had a very interesting conversation with the VC company who was actually funding the uh, the company I worked at. Right. That as soon as I got into work that day, <laughs> and you know, fortunately, one person on the board there realized that you know I'm a tongue in cheek kind of asshole and got <laughs> got me off the hook. Yeah. But the billionaire who ran the company was not very happy with me. So, yeah. Well, you know, these yeah. things happen. <laughs> it does. It does. But, you know, uh, I know a lot of people that didn't fare as well as I had. And uh, so, you know, yeah, Peter Thiel's a whack job. Yep. Uh, and this, this whole thing is just crazy. But I, and the Nick Denton open letter to Peter Thiel that he put out is is I mean, I was kind of just laughing the entire time I read it, but it's a lot of inside baseball. So if you're I, really not into the scene or know a lot about it, there's a lot of stuff in there that is – there's a lot more going on in that letter than is actually said. So Yeah, and I, I, I have a new official policy of no longer reading anything that has the word open letter in it. Well, see, this was my first open letter that I posted. <laughs> You've posted like 17 from all these crazy-ass old musicians that you follow. So <laughs> we, got, yeah, so we got Sinead's open letters. We got Alana's open letters. Who the hell? Yeah. probably had a Justin Bieber open letter in there somewhere. I don't know. I don't think he's ever read a letter. <laughs> uh, Visa CEO Charlie Scharf, which is a great name. Um, I, I scharfed once and then I had to run to the bathroom. It was bad. Well, when you're CEO of Visa, you're you're kind of a powerful dude. Um, there was a JP Morgan and Chase had a tech conference. Uh, PayPal was the, uh, basically the target. Friend and foe. Uh, PayPal is both liked and hated by credit card companies, apparently. Um, but he is uh, basically advocating, you know, screw you, PayPal. We're going to go after you because you tell people to fund their PayPal accounts with their bank accounts instead of their credit cards, which is what people should do because you shouldn't spend money you don't have. Well, yeah. Well, why would you spend 10% to fund an account? Exactly. That makes no sense. That makes no sense at all. So, Charlie Scharf, I understand that you'd rather have people use your credit cards, but it doesn't make good financial sense. And I'm assuming you would like people to pay back the money that they owe you. So let's have some decent financial sense rolled in here somewhere. Yeah. I'm glad okay. I use MasterCard now. <laughs> Does any place actually take MasterCard? Everywhere. MasterCard is accepted everywhere. Mm. And it's Amex is not, which I found out. Discover card. Oh, the old Discover card. <laughs> my Discover card is what got me my first Prodigy account. So, hey, man, they're not all that bad. The two incredibly outdated things. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Google's Paris office was raided in a tax fraud investigation. I got a chuckle out of this one. Aggravated tax fraud. Aggravated <laughs> tax fraud. Yes. Yes, this is good. These Go people. Em. These people want a lot of money. They and want. They should probably get it because I'm sure their Google Paris Google is not paying their fair share in any country. So uh, let's keep this rolling, people. Yeah, I mean there was a payout to Britain this year, but uh, it's funny that they sent 25 computer technology experts. I'm like, these guys better be ex Google employees because you're sending, uh, you know, that's like sending Lady Gaga in that meat suit into the lion's den. <laughs> Like, yeah, I know. You want to talk about technology experts, you just walked into Google. You just walked into them, yeah. Uh, and keeping up with the financial story, this this uh, I filed this particular story under I feel much better about myself, but then I cross-filed it under terrified about the entire country teetering on the edge of financial collapse. 
sort of two big file folders I have. Okay. Um, this is from marketwatch.com. Most Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Okay. Approximately 62% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account, and 21% don't even have a savings account. Uh, this is a survey of more than 5,000 adults, which a uh, friend of the show, Chen, rightly pointed out, isn't exactly the largest sample, and they don't really specify exactly where they were. However, it is still beyond frightening that a large percentage of Americans have absolutely no safety net whatsoever, uh, no cash reserves on hand. And, you know, when you don't even have a savings account, I'm assuming there's not much going on in terms of retirement. I have a savings account. It has $20 in it. Oh, boy. You're... Yeah. I am one of the 62 okay. percenters. <laughs> you are one of the 62 percenters. Uh-huh. Oh, Jason, we got to work on that. Uh, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we have people like the guy that gave us a two-star rating who don't want us to get paid for any of this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> sucker. Uh, anyway, uh, there's an interesting article on Mashable because uh, we didn't talk about Google I.O. last week. No. Kind no. of by design because we generally don't go into a lot of that stuff, but – the um the, you know they've got their new thing coming out the Google Home mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about this article is it, here's a here's a quote from the article allowing Google to take a more holistic further back view of your digital self isn't the same as throwing away privacy and with AI it could finally unlock lots of hidden potential in fact it's an essential step toward the future where intelligent systems be they virtual assistants, smart homes, self-driving cars, robots, or some as yet invented technology take mm-hmm. the reins on most of it, not all of them, or most, most if not all the mundane tasks in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, nope. Yeah, this you know even even this article says yeah this this stuff's kind of creepy, and I'm yeah. the one that has an Amazon Echo downstairs. You know? I know. <laughs> You are such a conundrum, Jason. It was free, man. That's how they get you. See if these Google Home things were free. Um, the only thing that I could think of when I was reading this, um, in in this is this is a, a feature that they really need to build into these little home units, mm-hmm. um, even with the Echo and with the Google Home, because Google Google owns Nest for for the time being until they you know divest it. Yeah. Why aren't they, why don't these little gadgets have carbon monoxide? testers, uh, smoke detectors. And, you know, since they're all internet connected, if, you know, if the smoke alarm goes off in, in more than one of the units in the house, it could call the fire department, things like that, like build in more useful tools instead of, uh, Amazon or I'm sorry, echo. I need more toilet paper. No, I agree with that. I mean, it should be unified and integrated and all, and the safety aspect of it would make a lot of sense, but, uh, you know, people don't think about that. Plus, that would be cutting into services that already exist. Uh, and well, then, yeah, then they yeah. couldn't sell you a Nest smoke alarm, I guess. But still, exactly. yeah, that sort of thing. So uh, I'm just, I was just, I'm just thinking inside the tube, as they say. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I actually should have put this in, in the follow-up. I just wanted to quickly touch about the Facebook trending topic and the ongoing Senate uh, idiocy about this. Uh, you said last week, it's as as you said last week, Jason, which I agree with 100%, they are a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want. Um, they are not required in any way, shape, or form to provide a conservative viewpoint or a liberal viewpoint. And if they are, the, then somebody should go talk to Fox News. Um Anyways. Yeah, yeah, no. So, they're, yes, they're a they're a private public company, yes. but their their only job in this world is to maximize shareholder value. 
Always exactly. remember that. Yes. So, but Republican Senator John Thune of South Dakota is not cool with that. He is demanding uh, details about the face about Facebook's editorial process, etc., and is claiming some sort of oversight authority, which they do not have over a company like this. So let's just get over this and move on, people. They can do whatever the hell they want in the same way that uh, Fox News does or any radio station that broadcasts uh, what's-his-face, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and not even that Facebook is all that crazy liberal because it's really not, especially if you read your uncle's feed. And, well, I mean, this guy needs to go. He's in South Dakota, so he's probably still trying to get on the Internet through AOL dial-up. So yep. he, I think he's a little pro, a little behind the times. A little behind the times. Um Amazon has made the news because they have stopped giving refunds when an item's price drops after you purchase it. They used to do that if you notified them and filed with customer service, and they have stopped doing that. And the interesting reason why they've stopped doing it is because basically, uh, generally, you would have to go search this out for yourself and be proactive about it. And you would probably never notice that something has dropped in price after you purchased it because why would you go look at it again? However, there's apps for that now. Yep, Ernie, <laughs> which is, you know, E-A-R-N-Y, which is cute, you know, get it, Ernie, yep. Ernie. Yep. Um, yeah, these people who are using your, checking your email for purchases, they're logging into Amazon to find out if the price has dropped from when you bought it, and then they will automatically, you know, send Amazon the, yep. the request on your behalf, which means that these people now have access to your email passwords, your Amazon passwords, <laughs> and... And what could go wrong with somebody having access to your Amazon account? Hmm. Well, I, I was thinking about that as well. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it's unfortunate that Amazon has stopped doing that, but obviously it's understandable why now, because now they're getting a deluge of these things. But these startups that actually, I would, I, I use the TripIt app, right, for, for travel and all that sort of stuff. The way that Ernie should, I would never give any third-party access to my email or my Amazon account. Never, never, not in a million years. Why Why isn't it that I can't just forward my Amazon purchase confirmation emails to them and then they can send me an email so I can proactively then go into my Amazon account and, and do what needs to be done? I don't want it all automated for me. Do we see the problem with automation here? They get access to everything. Well, yes, and then they get hacked and then, yes. every, and then, they, then, then Russia and then has it, access to your Amazon account. Yes. Yeah, and, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's why APIs and security tokens and all that kind of thing exist. But nobody's just. But nobody cares. Well, it's not that nobody cares. Amazon is not in the business of giving sales tokens to like API tokens to for your sales data to a third party. That's not what they're in the business for. So they would never write an API for that. And that's, you know, why they said they're shutting it down. They're like, and they, you know, before it was a courtesy to everybody that's like, oh yeah, these are the exceptions. So these people just crapped all over all of, you know, anybody who was out there with the wherewithal to go get some money back yep. on their own steam. These people just, you know, shit in the salad at the party. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Ernie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Apple has confirmed that iOS 9.3.2 has a serious problem. And uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, and I need them to fix it immediately. Yeah, my battery lasts ha like half the time that it did before. And my iPad just keeps reminding me that I'm ready to install 9.3.2. And I go, okay. And they're like, oh, it's not there. And it <laughs> doesn't know not to keep checking for it because... In the general settings, it says, hey, there's an update available. And I go to check for update, and it says, hey, there's an update available. It doesn't know how to un-update itself. 
I know, but the battery thing is insane. Uh, I I oh, had yeah. seen you put this in the show notes, uh, and earlier this week I was like uh, out and about for maybe two hours, and I was like, "How the hell am I down to like forty percent?" Yeah, I mean it is just draining, like no tomorrow. And of course, right before I'm about to travel, and as you very well know, when you're traveling, you tend to be out and about for long periods without a charger. Uh, take get one of those anchor batteries, man. I'm telling you, or one of the Amazon basic batteries. Those work too, and they're lighter. But anyway. Um, this isn't, I mean, unfortunately this week I dropped my iPhone and it, it it's in a case, but it landed in one of those magic spots, like mm-hmm. right on the corner with all of the weight on it into a tile floor, popped the glass off, bent it. It, <laughs> I, <laughs> I now have a Bendigazi phone. It is completely warped and, uh, does not work for phone calls. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so now I, I I figured out last night. That, like, oh, I can make uh, uh, you know what FaceTime voice calls to anybody with an iPhone. But for now, I'm screwed on talking on the telephone, which is great because I have a backup flip phone if anybody needs to get in touch with me. But yeah. Um, so I'm gonna hold off until they fix all this stuff before I go get another phone. And or actually, I can't go get another phone because. As I said before, my savings account has $20 in it, and our pre- and post-rolls are pissing people off. So no no, <laughs> no new phone for a while. I am literally going to be rocking an LG flip phone. Yeah. Well, I will be wandering around Toronto with my rapidly draining iPhone battery. And if I try to get an Uber, they could potentially screw me because of things that you don't ever think about. Uber can monitor battery life on your phone. It they, knows when yeah. your iPhone battery is going low, so it can switch into low power mode, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it knows that you're way more willing to pay for a ride when your battery is running out. Um, they've done a lot of statistics on this. One of the strongest predictors of whether or not you're going to be sensitive to surge pricing uh, is how much battery you have left on your cell phone. Because if that's the only way you're going to get home and you lose your battery, you're screwed. So you will pay extra if your phone is dying. But of course, Uber says they will not use this knowledge for evil. Yeah, it's the interesting <laughs> thing about it is, yeah, they say they're not doing it, but when has Uber uh, is, yes. not like, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't believe that uh, they're also will- maximizing shareholder value <laughs> again, maximizing shareholder value. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Uh, but uh, in China, you might not need an Uber anymore because a long time ago, we posted an article about a straddling bus and it looks like. They're building the damn thing. That would be cool. Yeah, it it goes so traffic can go under this thing, and it's <laughs> it's it's kind of like a monorail. It, it looks like a monorail at Disney, but a very wide monorail. But you can still drive your car under it. But the the thing about it is, it's it's a moving tunnel, right? Yeah. It looks like they might have some issues with people maybe running into the bus because it looks like there's not a whole lot of clearance under this thing. Yeah, well, again, oh well. Yeah, and and <laughs> the more I look at the more I look at the the video on this thing, it looks like a bunch of model cars. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It looks of yeah. It's quite it's quite an amusing little video. It's a it's an interesting concept that I'm not entirely sure is uh, all that practical in reality, but it's cool. <laughs> okay, uh, mm. we'll see how they, we'll see if it, if they make it. You yep. know, they they do tend to make crazy stuff over there. We'll that see. Is true. I would expect it to come out of Japan first, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, there are upcoming changes to tweets. I oh, know. Oh, yay. Yeah. They're, they're maximizing tweet holder value on this <laughs> one. Yeah, sure they are. They want you to be able to uh, put more of your, your, your deep and, you know, 
heartfelt thoughts into that 140 characters. So they're mm-hmm. going to be uh, trying to offset that by taking taking out some of the uh, the characters from the URLs that you post in your ats and things like that and moving or, them into metadata. Or they could just increase the number. Mm, yeah, that ain't going to happen. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> The whole point was so you could Let's use do it all on these a- different things to get around the character limit when we could just increase the character limit. I know because the entire point was when Twitter came out, it was for flip oh, phones. It was for God. flip phones. There are no more flip phones except the one that I have in my hand and I will not be tweeting from it. So I don't even Twitter have, I don't even have Twitter on my iPhone, but yes, they need to really kind of, uh, they need to pivot. They need to, they need to twiv it. Twitter is just so stupid. Anyways, it's, get, it's getting uh, bad. It's getting bad. Well, and so I think a lot of their executives are starting to agree. Two top Twitter executives left this week. Uh, Jana, I love her last name. Messerschmitt, the head of BizDev, and Nathan Hubbard, head of Media and Commerce, have left. Okay. So, uh, they're sinking ship. Uh, sinking ship. Sink. How many times can you type sinking ship and still be within the character limit? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sinking ship. Yes, hashtag uh, sinking ship. Facebook and Microsoft have joined together to build a huge, as the future president might say, transatlantic data cable. It's a, it's a high capacity system. They'll be ready by October 2017. I just uh, think it's really interesting that Microsoft and Facebook have uh, joined forces for something. Kind of cool. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So capacity of 160 terabytes per second or terabits yeah. per second. Sorry. Massive. Yeah. Um, uh, where, at what point does the NSA tie into it? Oh, uh, beginning, middle, and end. Okay. I figured there's, yeah. they've, they've got, they've got to have, you know, end to end, uh, access to this. End to end reading capability. Uh, this is <laughs> interesting. Like, it's why, why are Actually, they doing this? The NSA's big, uh, underwater storage system is sitting right in the middle of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we, we all talk about the place in Utah with, you know, their, their big thing, but we haven't talked about NSA Atlantis. No. And we'll be right back. But now, a word from our sponsors. Security? Ha! The Society for Worldwide International Inter... Or, sorry, Interbank Financial Telecommunication, a.k.a. SWIFT, which is used basically almost everywhere in the world to send money around, has just been getting hacked left, right, and center. Uh, the third one just happened. Ecuador Bank was hacked via SWIFT. Uh, let's see. How much money? I can't even tell how much. Nine million? Something like that? Anyways, not good. Uh, SWIFT, not good. Uh, they need to... They got to start fixing this stuff because, uh, you know, it's one thing when your LinkedIn account gets hacked. It's another thing when banks are getting hacked. Speaking of LinkedIn getting hacked, yes. <laughs> on threatpost.com, I, just, I love the title on this. LinkedIn is the latest contributor to breach fatigue. <laughs> and uh, honestly, that's why we don't have that many stories this week, because I am suffering from breach fatigue, like just yes. seeing all of these over and over and over again. It's getting yep. to the point where it's like, uh, if you haven't got hacked this week, that's news. I know. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Hey, we've still got our data. Woohoo! And then next week, oh, the Russians got it. Shit. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but the greatest part about uh, the breach fatigue article is I found have I been pwned? I love this site. Mm hmm. So uh, you go and put your email address in, and it will tell you yep. how, many, how many hacks that you have been exposed in and which ones. Yep. And you can also set up alerts. So if a new hack comes out, it will tell you if you've been uh, pwned. I have done so. I have done it with all five of my email addresses. 
and one of them, only one of them, has not been pwned. Really? I, I yeah, I've basically just had my one. Uh, I've been three hacks total for me. Which um, one? Well, the big ones, obviously. Uh, Adobe. Adobe. Yeah, I was gonna say that, Adobe. That gotcha. was that was that you know I that was 2013. I already you know I, I, for all of these I changed passwords immediately, so it doesn't matter. Uh, LinkedIn. Yep. <laughs> got that one. Uh, and Patreon. Yeah, I got that one too. Yeah. Um, I got another one. I got a Strat for one thing I, on one of them, I think, as well. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, those I definitely all I got on all of them. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's three of a kind. <laughs> and uh, uh, the AP put out a story. Uh, feds spend billions to run museum-ready computer systems. Now, this is an interesting piece because I had a, uh, a long talk over many cocktails one night with one of our spooky friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking spooky uh, Halloween. I'm talking the other spooky right. about about this very topic. And when the enemy knows that you're running these old systems, interesting things can happen. Like they can go and corner the market on all the parts. Yep. And uh, he reminded me last night, too, that they can corner the market on all the parts, then build in flaws to the parts. So under stress, they tend to fail faster and then yep. sell them back to the government on eBay or Craigslist. Yep. Ah, good. Uh, that would be some good trade craft there, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So reading this article, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this is in the country's best interest to actually be pointing out which systems are actually uh, yes. in use. Such as the Verge article that I threw in the show notes that points out that the U.S. nuclear force has been using uh, floppy disks and is trying to phase them out. Did you just say nuclear? Nuclear. Oh, okay, Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they're going to try to phase that out. But yeah, there's a lot of outdated tech sitting around. But on the plus side, you don't have to worry about these getting (laughs) air-gapped. No, you don't. Right. All you have to do is bring in a. <laughs> all you have to do is bring a neodymium magnet into the into the room, and then you know, okay, no more nukes. Yeah, but getting in the room is hard. See, it's like you can't even do the USB thing where you just kind of scatter them around the parking lot and hope one of the employees goes in and plugs it into the computer because you can't plug it into the damn computer. I, I would. I, now I want to go and get a bunch of eight-inch floppy disks and just start leaving them in the parking lot. <laughs> Good luck finding some. That'd be amazing. Oh, Anyways. man. Uh, see, I think secretly this is quite a good uh, way to maintain security. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's all I got. Comment of the week. We got a five-star rating on iTunes this week from Paradox49. You guys are great. I'm listening to the back episodes, and you make my work bearable. Keep up the great work. Uh, well, don't go too far back, because then your work will be yeah, fairly unbearable. Don't go too far back, because if you go too far back, you get the it's probably two-star rating worthy, which we got two of this week. Uh, already read the first one. The second one is from Thrasher34343447473. Um, I was really excited to listen to the podcast, but right out of the gate, they called conservatives right-wing nutjobs. I'm for freedom of speech and expression, so if you believe it, preach it. But, I love how when people do that, they're like, I'm all for this, but... Yeah. But, 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 but? But, to me, it kind of felt like an attack. Maybe just me, and I might give them another shot. Seem like good guys, just not my cup of tea. Uh, generally, we try to stay away from politics, but obviously with 
the election this year. It's a bit insane and there's no way you can't because this is unprecedented. And I would like to state for the record, I have many conservative friends and I was not referring to all conservatives as right wing nut jobs, just the actual right wing nut jobs within the party. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you say. (laughs) Whatever you say. Uh, We got a tweet from at I like big books. Hey, and I cannot lie. And I cannot lie. Ever watched hashtag Black Mirror? Pretty sure season one, episode three covers why capture is a bad idea. Jason, you were a big fan of the show. We have watched every episode of Black Mirror and we have reviewed them all on the show. So uh, indeed, I like big books. We have covered Black Mirror and we are very excited that it will be coming back soon. Yeah. And uh, from GrumpyOldGeeks.com, we have a note from Dave Bittner. Hey, guys, love your show, and I appreciate the shout-out to the CyberWire podcast on one of your past episodes. Oh, no way, that Dave Bittner. Sweet. Yeah, that Bittner. Just want to extend the offer that I would love to guest on your show if you ever want to do a segment on cybersecurity, like we do every week. (laughs) So, yes, that would be awesome. It could make make for a nice cross-promotion for both of our shows, a win-win. Let me know if you're interested. Yes, we are, Dave. So, thank you. Yes, we'll be Uh, in touch, Dave. Jason, Jason will reach out to you. And uh, Lawrence Lee from uh, our Patreon supporters, who's one of our greatest and longest Patreon supporters, sent us a massive tome that we will get to next week because Brian has to get on a plane soon. So we got a hard out, people. We got a hard out. So you can find us on Twitter at GOG Podcast, on Instagram at Grumpy Old Geeks, or at Patreon at patreon.com slash GOG. Make sure you change your password because I just got reminded about that hack. We have a website at GrumpyOldGeeks.com where you can listen to shows, leave feedback, or better yet, ask us questions that we can read on the air. If you have friends, if you don't, I'm sad for you. Please tell them about the show. And please, if you like the show, drop us an iTunes review. They really do help us out. And it'll only take a minute or two. Just go to GrumpyOldGeeks.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right there. Software, apps, and gadgets. As part of the two weeks in now Mac-only universe that I exist in, um, and one that also involves much less coding than I used to do, but I still do a bit of coding, I found a new open source text editor that is great for web design called Brackets, and you can check them out at brackets.io. It's pretty cool. I like using it. So what what, what about it is actually worth talking about because it's a text editor you know i well i'll tell you about my text editor in a second but tell me about why brackets no, is cool. I, I i know your text editor i've i use that as well i'm trying to i'm giving brackets a go to see if i like it better than sublime text which is the one that you recommended for me um i i it feels like what i was using on pc which is probably why i like it most i mean it does the same so it sucks no i <laughs> It does not suck. It's pretty cool. It feels very similar to to the, what I was doing there. It's it does what everybody else does. It, you know, it'll, it'll do a bunch of the the coding for you. It'll start stop a lot of good short keys. Uh, I just find it comfy. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I, I will. I will take a look at it. I think. I, mean, I, I think you bury the lead on this one though, because it will actually look at a Photoshop file and try and actually help build your build your CSS and stuff with it. So yeah, it'll try. I I haven't had a really good op- chance to try that feature out a lot yet. Uh, so I'm waiting to see when I hopefully have a project that will require me to do so. So uh, so far I have not really played around with that. It does seem to be really good with CSS and, and setting all that sort of stuff up. So it's pretty cool. I does, like it. Does it do multiple cursors? That's the one. That's the one thing that Sublime Text does that is the genius, uh, you know, killer feature of Sublime Text is multiple cursors. You know, I don't know. I I, I haven't tried that out yet, so I will uh, let you know. Yeah, if you if you've never experienced the magic of multiple cursors when you're <laughs> trying to 
say, you know, edit 600 lines that all have something in the same spot, it's, yeah. <laughs> it will say it, it will save you a gazillion hours, which is a, it has saved me. And Sublime Text is fairly cheap. You can actually use it, you know, without mm-hmm. paying for it. Yep. Uh, stick with number two. Number three is, you know, buggy as crap. And there's only one guy developing it, I believe. But yeah, it's funny. I just accidentally launched it because I was looking at the I, I was checking out my eye heat map of their logo. Um, oh, God. <laughs> and it says a new version of Sublime Text is available. Download now. No, thank you. No, thank you. Unless it's a uh, version two update. Anyway, yeah. um, since this is the you know, there's a, a gadget in the name of this section. Mm-hmm. Um, West Hollywood has a robot parking garage. Oh, joy. I think you need to go try this out for the show. <laughs> I think you, you got it. It doesn't have that many spots. It's like under 100 spots, but it's kind of cool. It's got we've got like our first robot parking garage. Well, maybe and it I'll does say a... WeHo on the side. So it's well designed. It looks very pretty. Um, maybe when I come back, I'll go on a field trip. Yeah. Check it out. Since I'm definitely not yet. Yeah, 92 cars. I'm definitely not going to be going there uh, no. <laughs> ever. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You say ever. We'll see about uh, that. Trust me on this one. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, uh, everybody, go ahead and feel free to go back through Grumpy Old Geek's old episodes and find all the uh, time mark all the times that Jason said he was a not going to move back to Chicago when he was here, or b not move back to LA when he was in Chicago. Yeah, Thanks. some sometimes Thanks. sometimes the there there are straws and there are camels' backs, and uh, we move on. Uh, Apple leak has confirmed that the next iPhone will be all glass. Oh, great. Just what I need. What would have happened to your phone if it was all glass when you... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I, 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 it, I, it looks pretty, but I don't know. I want it's... a titanium phone. Don't give me this glass shit. <laughs> give me a goddamn titanium phone. But in wanting to feel old news, uh, the aspect of the story, uh, 2017 will mark the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. And it's great because I still have my iPhone one and I brought it with me because that was one of the relics. I couldn't put very much in the truck when I fled LA. Right. uh, Because (laughs) yeah, it's that bad. Um, Mm -hmm. I brought my iPhone one that my original one and uh, it still works. Unlike my six plus. (laughs) And trust me, I have dropped that iPhone one a hell of a lot more times than this six plus. Media candy. I bet you're going to love this one, Brian. Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yep. sure you watch Survivor every year. This will be the 33rd season. I'm sure you've seen them all. I have not ever seen a single episode. <laughs> well, not I one. have seen, I have probably <laughs> seen 27 of the 32 seasons that are, have been out so far. Yep. Um, but this next one you might might enjoy because it is Gen Xers versus Millennials. I won't enjoy it. <laughs> I think you just might, though. I'm sure I won't. Okay. Well, did you enjoy the <laughs> Star Trek Beyond trailer, the second uh, one that came out? Actually, I did. This this actually, the first trailer made it seem like an absolute horrible movie. The second trailer had a little bit of life to it. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm going opening night. Definitely. I, you know, I the whole Fast and Furious thing had me kind of scared. But now that I know that the director's like, you know, is a fan and coming out for fans, you know? Uh, yeah, the he's whole Beastie me. Boys synced uh, first trailer had me terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know Gen it was X not good. Neil. 
Yeah, not good. Not good. But this trailer's good. I liked it. It'll be linked in the show notes. Check it out. I'd also, mm-hmm. um, if you have an IMAX theater in your uh, area, you know, I, I'm talking about the old school dome IMAX where you sit yeah. back in the chairs. Yep. Uh, there's a new movie called A Beautiful Planet that's out that looks mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's only 43 minutes long, which is the problem because for me to go watch it, I have to go all the way downtown to Chicago to Navy Pier, watch it, and then come home. So the 43 minute movie is going to take like two and a half hours in travel so you know but it was, looks amazing though i was all in on this until i saw the one line that has just made me go no what narrated by jennifer lawrence I, that doesn't bother me because when i think nasa i think katniss you know i don't that's not gonna bother me it bothers me because these things always happen. It's like all of a sudden we can only we have to hire one person to do absolutely everything for a period of like one or two years. There are a million other people out there that could have done this. You could have had Morgan Freeman as God. You know, see, well, no, that that's that point right there. I am sick of Morgan Freeman narrating everything. I know. See, you're making my point for me. <laughs> OK, well, I, I have not heard anything <laughs> narrated by Jennifer Lawrence yet. Uh, so. just, she's too busy being in absolutely every movie. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of all the movies, if you yes. go to fast.com now, Netflix's new utility will check your real-time download speeds and not give you the BS from those uh, speed tests that are run by ISPs. You know what I'm really curious about? Hmm. How much Netflix paid to get fast.com? A lot of money, I'm betting, because that's I a bet. great domain name. <laughs> and there's no way they had it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sure that was probably a $10 million domain right there. Yep. Had to be. Had to be. Actually, though, in this domain economy, they probably got it for 20 bucks. Are you a Fargo fan? Uh, I've tried. It's interesting. It just hasn't hooked me enough to to watch it all yet. Um, I love it. Um, Okay. Season one and two, loved them both. Uh, They both start out a little bit slow. Season two definitely started out slow, but... uh, in season three, we're going to have Ewan McGregor, and he's playing two characters even. So we get double Ewan. Oh double boy. Ewan. Ewan. So we're going to work between, between that and Train Spotting 2. I think we're going to be Ewan'd out for a while. I think so. Okay. Good stuff, though. Uh, Bauhaus and Skinny Puppy. Peter Murphy and Ogre from Skinny Puppy are both going to star in a horror movie together. What? I know, right? Okay, kind of interesting. It's so weird. It's going to be definitely interesting. Uh, there's a the horror movie called Black Glove Killer, which is going to be directed by Toronto-based filmmaker and composer Chris Alexander Fangoria. Uh, nobody knows much about the plot, but uh, we know it's probably going to be something vaguely vampiric, and it'll be fun to see a very old Peter Murphy and a very old. I actually not even sure entirely what Ogre looks like because I'm just used to him in his outfits when he's performing live. So yeah, he's all covered in crap, so you don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be interesting. I, I, I've you know, Bauhaus is one of my favorite, and Skinny Puppy are are two of my favorite bands so it should be fun yeah the only time i've ever seen ogre out of makeup was when he was doing backup for kmfdm yeah all right or <laughs> pig, when he was briefly in pig face and i saw them play live so yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. uh i have i have disturbing news on the remake scene mm. or the reboot scene or whatever yeah. you want to call it yep big trouble in little china starring <laughs> the rock no yeah no, are you fucking kidding me i, I wish i was 
Yeah, and and uh, you know the rock. You know, the said, rock is is the Jennifer Lawrence on the guy side. Like he's in everything right now. He is in everything right now. They're saying that the rock says they're trying to get John Carpenter on board. You no. know, I was ta- I was talking to a friend of the show MXV this morning. He's like, yeah, we hope we get John Carpenter on board, so he shuts the goddamn thing down because nobody wants this. <laughs> I agree. Nobody wants this. Big Trouble in Little China. I have such fond memories of it. I'm sure it uh, to you know give your other podcast that you don't do anymore a plug. I'm sure it doesn't have legs. But what a great movie! Actually, we did we did Big Trouble in Little China on Does It Have Legs? You can search for it on GrumpyOldGeeks.com. And the verdict Spoiler is alert. the verdict is mm-hmm. go listen to the show. You bastard. We'll be right back. Enjoy a word from our sponsors. Moron of the week. I didn't know. Well, I, I, I heard on the periphery that this was a thing, but there is a pet. There's apparently <laughs> competitive vaping. Yes, yes, I know. The silence is is deafening. I'm just looking at the photos from the show link. These people are not competitive at anything except for being losers. They're blowhards, literally ah, blowhards. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. So, uh, do they sit around sucking in this crap that has, you know, God knows what in it, <laughs> and literally all you they do what? all day is blow? I, it's, unsurprisingly, this is in Vegas, which is also where they tend to have a lot of yes, the— Yes, and what the, we're talking about is the, the the two hours of competitive vaping, a viewer's guide from dig.com. Uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. Yes. And uh, yes, go ahead. I, I think I've come up with something here. Mm. Um, dro- drone racing. Um, they, they often need a lot of smoke and lasers to make it interesting to the viewer. You just have the vape competition at the ground level. They can provide the smoke for the drone racing. And at the end, the drone racers can just crash into the vapors. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, just and add, the yeah, drones have... and the vapors are gone. Awesome. Yeah, we could, we could totally do this Mad Max style where we take pylons, you know, in the, in the, the drone competition, like they had in uh, Dubai yeah, where they had the, you know, all the, the, you know, the pylons that they had to go through. Well, we, we strap vapors to those <laughs> and they just have to keep vaping to keep the smoke out. So the drones, you know, hopefully yeah. can't see them. And, you know, every now and again, somebody's head will get cut off. That would be amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think that's what we need to do. Ooh, fancy. Fancy. Ooh, fancy. I have a new hero and his name is Josh Newland. Hey, Josh. He wrote a, a fantastic piece of software called Say What? <laughs> and uh, it uses uh, IBM's Watson technology, their, okay. speech, their speech recognition program, mm-hmm. to recognize uh, his name. So he wrote a Python script, and when someone says his name, it will back up, give him a transcription of what was said in the last like, minute or 30 seconds, so he can get up to speed and... Un- and unmute himself and then join the conversation again. I love In, this. Yeah, this is all about, you know, uh, board meeting or any any kind of phone any meeting. meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I want, you know, if, if this if this if was a feature in Google Glass. available, <laughs> I would pay for it. I will give you money, Josh. <laughs> I know. This is just the best thing. It's just like, I'm just going to do something else. And it's like, oh, I'm up. Okay, let me go read what they said. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I was on mute. Um, I was talking, but I was on mute. That's his excuse. But now... They'll obviously know, but yes. uh, yeah, uh, genius, genius. I love genius. you. I, I love you, Josh Newland. Please open source this. Yes, please. And in the somewhat genius but kind of not category, uh, 
Barisir. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. It was a pet project for designer Joshua Renouf. Renew? I'm doing horrible with names today. It's a coffee <laughs> what do you brewing... mean today? <laughs> I know, today. It's a coffee brewing alarm clock. So it's a, it's a, it looks very pretty. Um, you set the alarm, and uh, when the alarm goes off, it, uh, to, it just starts making you your cup of coffee. Okay. Uh, coffee machines that I remember as <laughs> far back as 1960-something, because... <laughs> Uh, they had it. They have an alarm clock built into them. So, ah, but they weren't pretty. It didn't sit by your bed. Oh, you okay. see what he's what they're doing here? That's different. And then they're of course they're taking it to Kickstarter. Oh, that's the they difference. You got a Kickstarter. It. I see the difference here. It is pretty. Yeah. I'll give him that. Anyway, um, on the previous story for the uh, the fans, hmm. Josh Newland has actually open sourced it, and it's on GitHub. And there will be a link in the show notes. Hmm, excellent. The web's not dead. Oh no, it's not. I found my new favorite site. Why I deleted your band's promo email. This is the line that made me delete your band's promo email. So obviously this guy is working in the music industry and he gets a lot of promotional emails and he has started a collection of the worst lines in every single one of them that just makes him go, I think I should hit delete. Some of my personal favorites are, it's hard to put him into a category because he represents so many. (laughs) Or on the Welcome to Jamrock cruise. (laughs) Or has matured into what can only be described as a throwback to a pure, authentic rock. And then he also obviously hit delete because one band's promo line was Red Hot Chili Peppers or the Dave Matthew Band. <laughs> okay. I, I, I went through a couple of these and they are pretty damn good. It is hilarious. Uh, it's been a big hit with uh, me and uh, all my music industry friends. Um, we've been dying over these things. It's genius. I'm not even a music industry guy and I recommend checking it out. Are you kidding me? Love it. The Licky Brush. The worst I thing. I heard about this. The worst thing to ever see Kickstarter well since probably oh. yesterday. <laughs> this is a this is a brush that you can stick in your mouth and lick your cat like your cat would lick another cat. Yes. And I'm I wanted it to be a joke, but it's on it, Kickstarter. It's not. It's 3D printed. And uh Which makes me wonder why they need thirty six thousand dollars for it. Uh well it's Thirty-six thousand five hundred for the goal. Thirty yep. days to go. Six hundred backers, and yep. they've raised fifteen thousand three hundred and seventy-two dollars as of this recording. I'm thinking they're not going to make it because they've had their big publicity push. They've been on nope. like a bunch of TV shows, and uh, they're only halfway there. Guarantee, because I the the after all the research I've done in Kickstarter, mm-hmm. most of it happens at the last day. Oh, okay. Most of the push happens at the last day because I, I listened to uh, Zane Lamprey's podcast and mm-hmm. uh, he did the math on his, his campaigns and they came at the end and a couple other podcasts did the same thing. So I think Licky Brush is going to get funded. Boy, I hope not because I'm looking at the animated gifts they have of people using it. Oh my God, it's disturbing. It's, it's disturbing. I've sent it to beyond. all my friends with cats and I'm like, you got to get one. They're like, hell no. Hell no. Because somebody might make a video of me doing that to my cat, and I cannot have that on the internet every, anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, in Are You Kidding Me news, um, I was hanging out with a friend of the show, Calby Monday, and uh, Nicole, 
and mm-hmm. their kid Sai. Um, well, guess what? What Sai has action figures of his YouTube heroes that they buy at Target now. Yeah, time moves on, Jason. World. I know. <laughs> and it was that conversation that made me realize that I do not know a goddamn thing about what's happening out in the world anymore. That's about it. But that's it. okay because you're not supposed to be a 43 year old man. Well, I'm not a 43 year old man. I'm a 44 year old man about to turn 45 in two months. So, you're yes. not supposed to be a 45 year old man who knows what's going on in the uh, in the toy section. So well, I am now. So suck it. <laughs> Brian has to go get on a plane and go have some poutine and drink a lot of beer in Canada. So we're going to cut it right there. And thanks for listening. I'm Jason DeFilippo, and you can check me out at jpd.me. And I'm Brian Schulmeister, eh? And you can follow me on Twitter at a Slender Fungus, eh? Grumpy Old Geeks is a partially <laughs> fan-supported show. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG. We really appreciate your support. If you don't want to or can't donate, but still want to support the show, please go to GrumpyOldGeeks.com and leave us a few words and five stars, not two, or tell a friend about the show. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music if it works. Or you can donate through Grumpy Old Geeks' Patreon page at Patreon.com GOG to get ten exclusive tracks. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stochansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy. Andy's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash Andy. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 161. Oh, Canada, you're not my native land. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.